Me Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective, hosted by Tim Ullman and Jack Caliber. The ULC envisions a future in which all congregations fully equip the priesthood of all believers through world-class leadership development at the local level. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at uniteleadership.org. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. Tim Allman here with uh, Jack Kalberg, and we pray as a consumer of Jesus-focused, joy-filled content that the joy of the Lord is your strength today as you lean into a conversation with a, a brand new friend of mine. I've, I've heard of uh, Brady Finnern uh, from afar for uh, a number of years now, but Brady is the president of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod just for one year. Uh, also, the, the husband to Amy celebrating 20 years here. Brady, you and I are in a similar season of life. He has four kids, all in their teenage years, a high school, uh, 17 down to to 13. He is a born and bred Minnesotan. He received his BA from uh, Gustavus Adolphus College with a major in health, fitness and coaching. We're going to talk, man, that's cool. I I didn't, I didn't know about that. I, he graduated as well from Concordia Seminary just a couple years before myself in 2006. He served in a number of different parishes, all in Minnesota, what I'm looking at. And then he's again, been district president, uh, for the last year. He also serves as a host of a weekly podcast on KFUO called Concord Matters, which is focused on a study of the Book of Concord. So we'll lean into that. And then you and I relate on this as well. You're a coach, uh, shot put and discus. I'm coaching Brady right now, football for my yes. son's uh, kind of medium-sized uh, Christian high school just down the road. So lots to talk about, lots to talk about today. So what did I miss in terms of your ministry story there, Brady? Thanks for hanging out with Jack and I today on Lead Time. It's a joy to be with you guys. Um, it's great to uh, be with you for Pastor Allman as we just got back from Synod Convention. So that was always, like we said, an experience. Um, maybe we should put that on there. Um, made it through convention should have been part of my biography. What do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, <laughs> hey, we didn't just survive, Brady. I, we thrived. There you go. You know, I'll we take it. into this and... And your first time at the convention as a DP, there's a lot. For those who don't know, those days are long, 12-some days, and you're in this, like, synod bubble. You know, you remember the bubble back in the day with the NBA? That's kind of what – I'm in the LCMS bubble for, like, five (laughs) days talking about stuff that, you know, as a parish pastor, and even for you as a district president, it's not stuff that's top of mind every single day. Is it, Brady? It's kind of an unusual experience. Anything else to add, though, about convention? No, you know, I, I talk about it this way, that it is the Lord gives us what we need. And and so we do need to have those kind of conversations. We do need to have sure. those kind of votes, if you will, who makes those kind of decisions while you bring the people, the workers all together in one place and you make those decisions. But like you said, um, when you go through all of it, how much of that really affects the daily care of souls that that you do and, and our schools do and everything? Well, not not a ton. But we do need that representation for the sake of everyone, I guess you'd say, having a voice in a sense. Um, but also, so much of it was pointing back to Jesus. So, you know, the Lord gives us what we need, and he gave us what we need, and now he gives us what we need where we serve. Yeah, amen. And I loved the – because we have both traditional and, and more modern contemporary worship here, all with a liturgical mm-hmm. bent. We can talk about that, too, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, man, I love the traditional worship 
everybody who put that on uh was re- it was really really well done obviously mm-hmm. jesus centered um yeah word and sacrament it was just it was just really really good and it takes mm-hmm. you back like i've done matins and vespers a lot but we don't do it like on a really consistent basis you know so yeah those those liturgies were really really well received and um yeah so i i actually come back feeling pretty Pretty good. It was, good. but it was great awesome. to enter back with our team yesterday. Jack from afar, like as you yeah. look at what Synod Convention is, what are your thoughts? I know you've never been. I, you wanted well, to go, I, we, and maybe three years we were from watching now, you'll, from you'll home. Uh, it, I mean, we were watching. It, it was live streaming in our office just the whole time, and it is fascinating to take a peek into what's going on nationally. There is so much um, difference in, I would say, culture between uh, like the West Coast and the Midwest and, and um, different regions um, that it sometimes feels like you're, you're saying, wow, that, that's our church too, you know, cause it's so, it's so different and, and you have different perspectives on it. Um, obviously there's a lot of discussion going on about pastoral formation and what is the right way to worship and um, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes very passionate conversations. <laughs> um, I'm, there's a lot of chatter online that's going on as, as people are voting on these amendments and these motions and stuff. I was kind of curious to know, though, from your perspective, being actually there and participating, what was what was the what was the conversation that you felt most interested in during that period of time? Um, because I think you. Brady, you yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brady, you go first and then I'll fill in because your perspective as a district president, not voting necessarily is probably right. different than mine, kind of with all the, with the clickers trying to do your thing <laughs> at the right time. So, yeah, go ahead, Brady. <laughs> so ask that question again, Jack. I think I know. What so, you're yeah, saying. we got this, you know, you're you're there for full day, a lot of discussion, a lot of debate, a lot of topics, a lot of things people are voting on. What what discussion and, and um, was the most interesting to you what what did you feel like oh okay. had the highest impact and you felt the most uh care and concern and felt most invested in during that time that's a great question you know i would definitely say that any of the discussions well first of all i was the the head of the four committee on mercy so i could say that that was where i was most of my mind was was mm-hmm. happening and and the amazing thing about that is uh how um you know, the churches that we highlighted, and I would say that was one of the struggles is you try and do business, it's hard to highlight certain ministries. But, you know, talking about the mercy that goes on in all of our churches, corporately and individually, um, was, was a good discussion that I had with a lot of people, I would say, on a personal level. And really, I think Pastor Allman would agree that there is a reality that a lot of the good stuff that happens doesn't happen when you're watching live stream, but the conversations you're having, the friends you see, the, 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 the you look in the whole crowd, you know, you have 2000 people really putting all this together and every one of them is there for the sake of the love of the gospel and the, and the, the faith in this gospel. And so that to me, that's part of, you know, you are trusting that the people who are there are all there for the same purpose. And, and, and obviously it looks different and, and it is different, but they're there with the same convictions, which is just incredibly humbling. As you said, you go to West Coast, East Coast, even in the Midwest. I mean, we're struggling just to find our identity of, okay, how does the church function in today's world? So that conversation also, I would say the probably the one of the biggest highlights, and I heard this from all of the delegates from my district and talking to others is just the connections with churches around the world, um, different church bodies we want to fellowship mm-hmm. with. Um, and, and, and knowing the number of people who are part of that process. I mean, these, these church bodies were revetted pretty, pretty, uh, 
pretty closely. It was not like, Literally. oh, I'm a Lutheran. Oh, okay, good. You're coming in. They're vetted very right. appropriately and thoroughly. And, and so they, they're serious. They, they have conviction in every one of them. I talked about four of the bishops personally, and every one mm-hmm. of them just can't stop talking about what we say is Augsburg Confession 4, um, justification by faith. They said that yeah. is everything of why we're with you and why we confess what we do. So maybe that's more than you wanted, but there no, it is. That's great. Oh, I, I love no. that. I, I think that was probably some of the most culture. inspiring stuff for me, too, is seeing the fellowship that exists with church bodies outside of our borders. Mm. I, I mm-hmm. absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah. And you speak to culture. I mean, I, there was a general sense, and and probably being my third here, Brady. I don't know. Did you go to any um, as a as a pastor? I went did once. You attend yeah. a couple. Mm-hmm. You went once. So, mm-hmm. yeah, of the three that I've attended, and I wrote this in a, in a blog recently. I mean, it was the most charitable, even on the issues that could be kind of contentious, and you know whether it's pastoral formation, the Concordia system, you know Concordia Texas conversation. Uh, I thought there was more charity and kindness generally uh between between the delegates both when we're on the floor and then we're when we're with one another you know outside of the floor mm-hmm. and so yeah made made new friends and and that was all really good but probably jack i think the unique reality of the convention is every person's uh context and kind of the points of doctrine that are most, you know, mm-hmm. important to them are going to shape what they want to get to Absolutely. the microphone and talk about. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you see right. <laughs> you see something, you know, that comes to the floor like, ah, like I think this could be kind of a, a slam dunk. But what I uh, another nod to President Harrison and he's done this in number. He knows he's got a pretty good pulse of the room uh, about the the topics that we need to let we need to let breathe. We need to let folks get to the yeah. mic and, and share. And a couple of them like. I wouldn't, and I can't remember right offhand right now. Some of them are like, wow, this should be probably a little quicker or, or not. So yeah, it was, he did a, he no, did a I, nice I, job from, I wanted from to the give platform him props well. for that. Yeah. No, I wanted to give him props for that because I felt like he did a great job. I, I'm just trying to think of myself like an eight hour day, just being a parliamentarian, <laughs> being oh, a mediator, geez. just letting people talk and trying to do that in a way that is like as impartial as possible. And, and faithful as possible to allow dialogue to happen. I, I thought he did that well. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this too, guys, is that, um, one, I don't look forward to running my first district convention. Um, that made me a little terrified of, oh, my, I'm going to have to do that now, yeah. you know. And there was a little bit of times where you weren't quite sure when he might have me go up to the podium because there's a number of district presidents, vice presidents who went up there so he could, I'm assuming, and I have to know this, to kind of gather his thoughts. And I thought that was a really wise move. You know, other vice presidents and district presidents mm-hmm. went up there and, and kind of maybe some low times, not low times, you know, times where he doesn't have to do as much. And so it made me like, oh, Lord, have mercy. So pray for your district president. I know uh, President Gibson is yours and and pray for others as they just try to make all that happen, because ultimately everybody wants what's best for the kingdom. And so I, I appreciate your words because I agree. Um, props to him and, and trying to let people be able to speak and pray their way through everything. Hey you, yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. 
the Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you, because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. With uh, sometimes rude behavior that takes place, and it's easy to respond to rudeness with rudeness, you know, uh, highly and, tempting. and I thought for, <laughs> highly, highly tempting. What does the delegate want? You know, I mean, he's getting interrupted a, a lot of different fronts, you know, point of order, point of order, parliamentary oh, inquiry, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just a part of the dance. There's no other way. I've thought about it a lot. There's, uh, probably no other ways, uh, to do it. I think there could be yeah. more, Prep and here's here's what I would say could in, increase our unity. There could be more preparation in in allowing the respective and I don't know maybe in the social media day and age in the digital age in which we live that respective delegates could be able to share in a personal way their goals for whatever the the office that they have been um, nominated for. Maybe there's a way for you know from synod presidents all the way down vice president etc. Right? I mean maybe there's more of an opportunity for delegates to be a little bit more informed, not just about the theology, but also to get to know the person, the personality of that individual who could mm. be could be leading. Maybe there's some opportunity for growth, growth there. All right. Um, what are your hopes, Pastor Finnern, district mm-hmm. president? Um, what are your hopes as you look at the landscape of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod uh, over the next triennium, the next three years? Well, a few things. Uh, first of all, that one of the joys that we do have, and we have to really work hard on this, is for each baptized priesthood of believers, um, workers, pastors, so forth, to be very clear. Um, and we do this, and we just have to really continually work hard at it, is proclaiming the pure gospel, that, the, that this word is true, that Christ died and died and rose um, from the dead, and that for the world, yes. that means it includes you. I think about this a lot. Um, because if you were to, when I m- visit with congregations, when they go through the pre-call process, when they have a vacancy, whether it's a church worker or a pastor, is one of the first questions I asked is challenge them is what is the gospel? And sometimes people kind of bark at me like, well, you know, you know what the gospel is. And you're like, okay, all right, let's get the scripture passages out and let's talk through it. You know, and I'm not trying to be, um, mean or anything like that, but I think a lot of times we struggle just to be able to proclaim what the gospel is. And so that's one of my hopes is we're proclaiming it and, and it's in front of us all the time. And the, the hope we have is that, you know, we have, I mean, just think about it. we have so much of it and we could be better proclaiming it and the opportunities that we have every single day for this, you know, um, but God shows his love in us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's great to be able to say to you. And I love that, too. And like what you're doing at, at your church and school is that that opportunity is there every day in a world right. that basically um, never forgives. It's always forgive, but I'll never forget. And we're able to say, not only um, does our Lord forgive, but he forgets because it's all on his shoulders. And so that's where that's where the hope is, right? And in everything that yeah. we do in the next triennium or any triennium um, is that that is happening already, but also that it can just think it, it could be even better, which is kind of amazing for me to think about, um, is that we could even be better at proclaiming this wonderful gospel. How, the second how do you thing, feel like how do you feel like gospel proclamation gets cloudy? Where, where do you see that happening? It, get, it gets cloudy because people will, um, they'll, they're short-sighted um, and act as if, well, you've heard it already, therefore I don't need to say it again. I'll give you an example. One of them is um, that before my kids, I have four children, like uh, Pastor Allman said, and 
Um, they're teenagers now, but still, I, I try to give them a blessing every time before they go to bed. It's a little harder when they're we're, they're ready to stay up late, and I'm ready to go to bed at 9.30 now. But um, anyways, I'll give them a blessing. It always starts with me saying, uh, Kaisa, Sophie, uh, my oldest, in Christ you are forgiven. And when, when my young, my second daughter, I have three daughters and a boy. Um, my second daughter, when she was little, one time she, uh, I gave her a blessing, uh, gave her forgiveness in Christ. And, and then she turned around and she put her hand on my head and said, in Christ, daddy in Christ, you are forgiven. And I think that's where we get cloudy is that we, we don't say those kind of words directly mm-hmm. to somebody. We'll say, well, you know, God loves, loves people or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. We don't say it straight up. You know, Christ died for you. You know, I'm sorry. God forgave that sin. That's on the cross. You know, move forward in grace. Those kind of, that kind of strong proclamation. And obviously that forthrightness, you know, the, the proclamation of, of sin is, is, is along with that. And that's very clear as well. So I would say that's where it gets cloudy is that we'll kind of use general language that really can be interpreted in the world that God is love. Um, you know, that then don't worry, you know, God's with you, those kind of things. It doesn't get cloudy that it's wrong. It just needs, to, it could be stronger. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. I love that. I love that discipline of, and I've been, when I talked to Pastor Christian Preuss, you know, this is where we, this is what we all agree on, like our homes and from our homes into our churches, mm. there needs to be that clarity of the love of God found through the forgiveness of sins and the life and salvation that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have beyond the grave because Christ has indeed been been risen for for us. And I think as as pastors, as leaders, we need to not forget what it's like not to know, because I don't know that that takes place in a lot of our a lot of our homes with consistency, especially as we disciple our, our young ones. And that is our, <laughs> that's our primary vocation to be a husband to my wife and then to be a father to my, no one else can, no one else can right. do that. And and I think sometimes as, as pastors, because of the, the show, if you will, of Sunday or just the grind of ministry, sometimes we've forgotten the basics. So we need, we need mm-hmm. to go back to the basics um, of speaking the gospel to our to our uh, kids and to our wives. Um, any any more thoughts there, Pastor Fernand? You love and I would that? say yeah. that you know it, it goes with like a, like my daughter um, did to me is that proclamation to one another. You know, it's not Amen. just That's right. all on our shoulders, but it's Amen. reminding the kids and your bride to you know exp- proclaim that to you um, how authority yeah. we need it. Because we talk a lot about in in our church, and this is very important that a pastor has a pastor, and I, I think this goes mm-hmm. along with our workers as well. Is that you have a pastor and and sometimes it gets messy when, for example, you have a teacher-pastor relationship and, and the administrative tasks and everything is oh, to have that opportunity for individual confession absolution. At the very least, some kind of proclamation and prayer that you will get from your pastor. Um, and obviously that goes extends into other vocations as well. Um, so yeah. it's just to be able to hear it as well. Like you said, the show of yeah. Sunday. I, I like that. I'm not going to say it, but I like hearing it. Um it does get really hard not to think that you're kind of doing a show on Sunday morning um, and not receiving the gifts at the same time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So in your district and in all of our districts as well today, there are a number of congregations that are small and some of them, some of them getting smaller. You could look in the urban, suburban, and especially in the rural setting, which I know you have a number of rural congregations. You you have a strong goal to see more multi-congregational uh, missions taking place. Could you talk about that? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, gladly. And I will say that this is something I've, I've grown into a little bit and I will continue to grow into and understanding the dynamics of it because I personally 
personally have never served a dual or tri or multi-point parish. I never have served that. But Minnesota North um, District, which basically if you take north of the Twin Cities and go all the way up to Canada, uh, we have a few churches in Wisconsin, a church in South Dakota, which is maybe scandalous for some, but we, we, we figure it out. Um, thankfully nothing in Canada. No, it's kidding. Um, but we, we, in our, in our district, we have 197 congregations and hundred of the 197 congregations, 116 of them, which is about just about 60% are dual parishes, meaning they have one pastor, two parishes, uh, tri parishes, um, which is, you know, pastor with three parishes, or I, I define it this way, a part-time parish, meaning that a mm-hmm. pastor is serving word and sacrament. He's being faithful, but he's not full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and this is something I'll talk about too, is he's bivocational. He's retired. Uh, we have one pastor who, who retired Navy. And so he's just serving the congregations without, without pay. Um, and that's mm-hmm. great. Um, but it is something that, you know, we have 60% of our congregations. I believe if you ever talk to President Seiler from South Dakota, I believe theirs is over 70%. And so this is a real challenge if we think of it as a failure. Right now, I see the opportunities that the synodies even talking about. In May, there was a um, a multi-congregation parish article in the Lutheran Witness that painted a wonderfully positive picture of the opportunities that are there in multi-point parishes. And you see that too with bigger congregations, right? That are, that are serving smaller parishes around them is we're seeing that across the synod and, and Stacy Egger, who works for Lutheran Witness, works for the synod. She went into that article thinking, and I talked to her. She went into that article thinking that she was going to have a hard time finding positive responses from people, you know, kind of like, well, we failed. That's why we're in a dual parish or we're going down quickly. That's why we have to be in a tri-parish. But she found completely the opposite, that the pastors and the people she spoke to were excited about that opportunity to expand the reach of their ministry, um, excited about the opportunity to serve their neighbor. Um, obviously, there's challenges. I'm not saying there aren't challenges, but a lot of times it is okay that at one time God had the, the, you know, God gave wisdom to people to say, we need the word of God in this place. And now they're able to do it more, um, as the body of Christ, as opposed to saying, no, this is my area. You know, stay away. <laughs> this is my this is my territory or something that it really is expanding the opportunities to proclaim that gospel, like I said, in that place where God has planted them. Man, that's that's exciting. I think that is a big win uh, that churches are wanting to work together, uh, share people, share resources. The general. So follow up to that. Are a number of those churches. I mean, because I think some of the stereotypes is, well, if you're small, like you don't really. They're kind of anti-growth, anti-community, anti-sharing the gospel. They're just kind of relegated to this is my church and we do things a certain way. I think that's the caricature of some of those. Uh, is that is that true? Or how have you how have you found that to be dismissed and not not the truth? Because I hear collaboration, man. It's like, let's let's go. Let's go. Let's, yeah. uh, let's reach people with the gospel. It's never as easy as, as I wish. Like the positive uh, words I'm saying is very true. But yes, you do have those situations where. A congregation, like, I want nothing to do with anybody else. And so we're in this, but I don't like it. <laughs> so don't get me wrong that that is very true. However, I've just been amazed more and more at how many people, first of all, love their church and also love that they are in a partnership. Um, I'll give you one example. There's one, our first vice president of our district, uh, Reverend Dr. Carl Weber has been a pastor of a, what would be considered to be a bigger church, maybe for Minnesota North, like 120 on Sunday. And they, and they are in a partnership and they've been doing it for years, as long as I can remember, because I grew up in this district. 
and they were in a dual parish when I was a kid. And, and, and this church is like maybe 20. And that partnership is just beautiful because they have different kind of settings. They have different kind of ministry opportunities. And every year, this is what Pastor Weber says, every year at the end of the year, the bigger church looks to the small church, St. Paul's in Richville, and says, what can we do more together? Which is just awesome. And part of that is his leadership. Part of that is just how God has planted them that way. Um, and so you do see that kind of opportunity because, for example, in that situation, you have Otter Tail, which is surrounded by just vacation-y people in every which way. Richville, so St. John's and Otter Tail, Richville is a little more on the outskirts of this. And they, they don't have the vacationers as much as the, the locals and the people who have been there for generations. And so that is a whole different dynamic and ministry that the leadership has taken on. Um, and so that's just one of those examples of uh, how can we encourage them to think about the home life like we're talking about, but at the same time seeing the opportunities, which they do, um, which is exciting. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, there's so much opportunity in a smaller. I think the future, what is the structure, the, not just the cost, but the makeup of a lot of smaller congregations moving, moving forward? And I think we have no other choice but to see it as an opportunity uh, to reach people with the gospel rather than this kind of regression. We're not, you know, doing enough. Uh, yeah, I, I love, I love that posture. So I pray that in a lot of these rural settings that more churches are starting yeah. to work together. And, and really a lot of that is driven by the lay leadership, right? Who's saying, Absolutely. well, this is, this is my church and our community needs this, this church. If these 20 people move off and we sell it and all that, man, we lose a major kingdom asset, the, the presence of word and sacrament here in this place. And so, yeah, shout out to, to wonderful lay leaders who are, uh, holding, holding fast, steadfast to the gospel and, and wanting it to be there present for their, their kids and their grandkids moving, moving forward. Uh, let's, let's shift topics here a little bit, brother. Let's talk about theology. So this is lead time. We talk about (laughs) leadership and theology Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm. Uh, get us under the hood of some leadership and theology emphases, uh, that, that you drive, especially as a district president. What do you, what are you really focused on? Well, um, right now I'll, I'll start with this. Theologically speaking is, is visitations is, you know, 197 congregations. According to our bylaws, I'm supposed to visit all of them within a triennium. And so that has a lot to do with, uh, with what I do and the specific focus that I have when I make visitations. And this is very challenging. I'm learning how to do it is really, okay. What is the soul care that one, the pastor and workers need? 
So a lot of listening, a lot of application of God's word to our workers and encouragement that they have. And this goes back to Acts 15, you know, where Saul and Barnabas are like, hey, uh, let's go back and, and see how the churches are doing. This is Acts 15, uh, thir- uh, 31 through 36 or so. And, and it talks about at the end of that passage, uh, 36, where it says, and they went back and strengthened the churches. And so mm-hmm. to me, that really is a call for us as to me as a district president is to to visit the congregations, have a quick, quick to listen, um, and even quicker to listen longer um, to them. And that goes to the leadership as well. And, and to see kind of where their conscience is. And that's one of the big aspects too, is do they have a clear conscience with the Lord? Meaning that they see that their relationship with God, this is different than Geppetto and, and Pinocchio. Um, not your conscience be your guide, but your conscience meaning, how do I know my relation with other people? Specifically as Christians, our conscience with God. And so as you listen is, okay, do they, do they see this as God, you know, that they have a right relationship with God, which is where the gospel comes in and also law gospel. But also understanding of what am I called to do in this place? And so that's why I need that reminder constantly, too, is as a, when I was a pastor in a parish and our teachers and so forth, is okay, what is your calling? Your calling is to preach and teach and administer the sacraments for our teachers to proclaim the word of God, to care for those children and so forth, to always bring it back to the simplistic reality of what we do every single day. And so that just, I really see that as a, as a goal. Um, how do we... Um, keep focus on that clear conscience. And we hear that throughout the scriptures, the confessions is really making sure that our people, the baptized, understand their identity um, throughout throughout their uh, ministry and who we are as, as a body of Christ. Yeah. And that that means that you're deeply getting to know going back to to lay leaders, right? You you're when you're analyzing the conscience, you're not just looking at pastors, you're you're looking right. at lay leaders. Would you tell me would you tell me a story or two to encourage uh our listeners about lay leaders who have that clear kind of mission focused conscience, gospel law gospel conscience. I'd love to hear a story or two, oh, brother. Absolutely. So, a couple weeks a couple months ago now, time flies. Um I was visiting a congregation that's uh, celebrating 125 years. And, and I talked to the elders and we're talking and, um, and he, he's been a member of that church his whole life, whole life. And, and I was just, you're looking at everything and he's walking through the basement and he's showing me in Minnesota, especially in the past, we had dartball leagues. Um, kind of like, uh, the metal version of cornrow nowadays. I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. you see, I remember as a kid, I mean, they had like these metal, you know, darts that were like this huge and those old codgers are throwing it at each other almost in the basement. <laughs> anyway, so he's showing me all these medals from the past and, and you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, all right. And I remember as a kid thinking, that's bizarre. Like, what is, what, what are these leagues? I mean, the church is about, Jesus, I thought, what about these, you know, what's going on? So he's showing me that and he's showing me the kitchen, the basement and telling me the stories of different people and all this. And then he brings me to the sanctuary and he said, that's where I was baptized. Wow. And you're just like, wow, you know, and then, and then he's speaking about the stained glass windows, which I would encourage any of you or the listeners to look at the stained glass windows or the other imagery in your church. And if you ever go to an older church, I mean, these people were just, they were so rich in their faith that they made sure that everything that happened in the church would point you back to Jesus. And so he's showing me all these different stained glass windows and it's just phenomenal. The the imagery, the baptismal imagery, the, 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 the gospel imagery. And I, and I asked one, I didn't know that one. And it was, it was, I can't remember exactly what the stained glass window was, but he said, Oh, that's, that's about Jesus. 
And then, and then he just spoke. He's been there 80 plus years in this congregation. And he just said, and we are so blessed. And this church has maybe 25 people on a Sunday. And so you can see that this was not only something that he had a pride in a building, even though he does. It was not just a pride in that this church is old or that his parents were here, but he was just speaking so much faith language, especially as Minnesotans. We're not very really good at expressing our emotions or always being good about this, but you're catching the words where he was just constantly speaking faith that even these mm. dartball leagues, he said, would start with prayer and end with prayer. It was always something that they did out of motivation for what Christ had done for them. So I, I that's one story of at least 30 that I've had as a district president and how people speak about their church shows it's not just about the building. Actually, it's very little to do with the building. It was the people and the gifts they received all these years. And they're able to articulate the gospel. This is why I, I used to, and this is one of my regrets as a parish pastor. Sometimes I would rail on people for not saying the gospel correctly. But if you listen closely, mm. they know the gospel and they're proclaiming it. Oh, yeah. Could it be clear? Absolutely. Myself included. But they know the gospel and love the gospel so much that that's why they do what they do. Do you want to dig deeper in your study of Reformed theology? The All of Life for God podcast, presented by Reformation Heritage Books, offers you weekly sermons, audiobook chapters, and interviews that will help strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. So what are you waiting for? Just search All of Life for God wherever you get your podcast and start listening today. Presented by Reformation Heritage Books. Hmm. That's that's so good. One of my biggest frustrations, and Jack, I'd love to get your take on this, because yeah. uh, Jack didn't grow up as a Missouri Synod Lutheran. You know, you're a pastor's yeah. kid, right, Brady? And, mm-hmm. and I'm a third yeah. generation, you know, LCMS. And and some of my laments are that we're not, especially in social media, and Jack, you're there more than I am, we're just not kind with one another. And then focusing on what we agree on, which is the clear proclamation of the gospel, word and sacrament, uh, the gifts of baptism, uh, the real presence of Christ in, in the Lord's table, uh, and that we can just get a little dissonant with each other and, and just disagreeable in general. And I think some of that flows from maybe our Germanic, maybe stoic heritage um, that that contributes to our, our lack of kind of winsomeness maybe from time to time with the gospel. And I think there's a new, I think in our generation, Pastor Fennon, I think there's the, the Holy Spirit is always at work to create and sustain faith. And I think the Holy Spirit is bringing us together now in, in a powerful way, small churches, large churches. Uh, and, and it really comes down to telling the gospel, telling the story of who Jesus is and what he's done, and then telling the stories in all different f- sorts of contexts about how the Lord is is at work. And, and kind of then just shrugging our shoulders at the areas where we get a little cross with one another and agree on the clear proclamation of, of the gospel. Anything to add on? that uh jack yeah i think going off of piggybacking off of the earlier conversation about the gospel sharing the gospel you are forgiven i am forgiven we are forgiven in christ and if we know that if that's the number one thing that's defining our identity then how should that inform the kind of conversations we have with each other when we talk about what's the best way to do ministry (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) it should be the most joyful, peaceful um, type of conversations you can imagine. And um, 
it, it, I understand that there's sin. We're, you know, we're still carrying our sin with us and, and, but, and we're forgiven for it. And it's just, um, it's shocking to me sometimes to see the type of conflicts and the types of arguments and the type of language that we use with each other. So I lament that. I understand why it happens, um, but I lament it a lot. And um, it can be difficult maybe for people uh, to observe those types of conversations. And so I can imagine uh, that you've dealt with this a lot as a district president. You've probably been called into multiple situations where um, something is not going right at the local congregation. People are not talking to themselves, uh, talking to each other the right way. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to hear other people's perspectives on it, but that's my observation. It's, you know, it's, it's um, I understand why it happens, but I lament it. And I'm kind of curious to know what is your approach when that type of thing happens in a local congregation or even maybe across congregations or conversations that happen on social media, pastors maybe getting heated with each other about certain topics? Um, what, what is your approach to that? Or uh, have you had that kind of uh, experience in a district president role? Yeah, and I'm still learning on how yeah. exactly to to work through that. And I and I appreciate you using the word lament is because I think one of our issues that we've had is that we haven't been able to lament what we need to lament. And this is why we mm -hmm. have the book of lamentations. This is yeah. why literally 61 uh, uh of 61 chapters of the Psalms are lament or imprecatory psalms. Mm -hmm. Is that we're not good at allowing people to lament. And as you mentioned about allowing that space to be able to speak at the same convention is so vital um, mm -hmm. because people need to say something. And sometimes you hear yourself and you're like, wait, that's not, that's not right. You know, but thanks be to God, you let me say it because now I can actually filter through it in my own mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so that's one of the big things. Like I talked about being quick to listen and even, even quicker to listen longer um, is to be able to hear what is the soul care issue here? What, what is the soul issue? Like, is it is it an identity issue that I'm not I'm, I'm struggling in my faith? Is it a you know some the conflict is actually affecting your faith? Is it is it something where you want to be faithful to God's word and you need assurance that what you're doing is actually faithful to God's word? Or I'm having a hard time really loving my brother right now and that's a soul care issue. And so a lot of that comes down to um, a lot, a lot of listening. And for me, I'm learning because we're very blessed with different organizations like Ambassadors of Reconciliation that work a lot with these things to put everybody under the word of God while realizing that if we think that the church will just get along just because um, mm -hmm. we're just fooling ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so we need to be able to work uh, better at, at listening to one another and having, I would say, more upfront personal conversations with the people of whom we're frustrated with because well in the body of christ we will admit that hey we're together in this thing right we're yeah. together in this thing so that but that's a challenge don't get me wrong i'm not a guy who's like oh i don't like what that guy just said therefore i'm gonna go and confront him and talk to him as a brother no sometimes you're like ah, i kind of hope that goes away <laughs> yeah. you know that kind of thing so yeah so that's a we, challenge i asked for we, your uh, prayers to be honest I oh man for, for sure for all yeah. district presidents anybody who has supervising responsibilities uh for sure ecclesiastical supervision um yeah we we tried to set up at the ulc this this table um and I, you may have seen us having conversation around one of them was the lcms needs more routes toward ordination 
change my mind. I mean, we're trying to be yeah. like super, we just wanted to have honest dialogue about how the church can, can be healthy now and into the future around the topic of, of pastoral formation and, and really church worker for formation, commission minister formation, um, as well. And, and not many, Pastor Finner, not many people <laughs> wanted to, wanted to talk, which is kind of, kind of interesting, you know, but then they, I know a number of people have really strong opinions and, uh, I think if anybody's listening to us, I'm not going to be, uh, I mean, hopefully not, uh, mean or like, uh, ill will toward them. Like you can have that. A lot of the conversations we're having are around things that are adiaphora. Like I don't find in scripture in the confessions where it mandates a certain way to do it. So we have a little bit more, we should have a little bit more charity and then, and then curiosity around different ways that the Lord is, is not just shaping leaders, but leading the church in this, in this day and age. But yeah, we, we avoid conflict that you get back to your conscience, right? Mm-hmm. Is my conscience clear being able to to speak what I truly believe, especially if it's something centered in the never changing word of God? Because if I don't, if I don't, you go back to Luther, I, I, I am beholden by scripture and my conscience to speak. I can do no other, right? I mean, this right. is, this is a serious thing. And, and, uh, and yet I don't, I think a lot of times culturally, just, this is not just Lutherans and Christian, this is just in our, in our culture. We, um, we don't have the courage to, to speak as the Holy Spirit gives us the reason. And I think it's a relational thing. It's an identity thing. I don't know how it's going to go. So if I could pray for one thing for just every baptized believer, Pastor Finn, and it would be more more courage, Holy Spirit, gospel-inspired, Jesus-infused courage uh, to, to speak a word of law, maybe to our brother with listening and charity, but then obviously to lead with the gospel, to end with the gospel, uh, the love of Christ for those who are broken by sin. Anything else to add about the the maybe the the passive nature that a lot of us find ourselves in, especially around topics that uh, could be controversial? Well, I think part of it too is not simply that we're passive; is that we're we're trying to understand like mm-hmm. what's being said. Um, sure. One one moment I know there was a moment at one of our district conventions where someone was was really mad at President Harrison, and and they were talking about you know diversity, equity, inclusion, and and, sure. and very much so just wanted to talk about this is what I'm seeing, and 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 President Harrison didn't really say much, and somebody came up later. And apologize for that because the person was very caustic. They were definitely not speaking as kind, you know, it was not, uh, uh words with salt. They were not salty in a good positive way. Mm-hmm. And a person apologized and said, I'm sorry that you received this. And President Harrison said this. He said, no, I am glad that they're able to say this. And I, the way I am, I'm thinking through everything they're saying because I have to consider it. And so that's sometimes where we don't, we don't always interpret what the other person's going on in their mind. And so um, we want quick responses when sometimes we need to be more patient. And so I don't really know how that all fits. I know that I need a lot of patience from people because you're listening. You're like, oh, man, I never thought of that before. Um, and our natural reaction is to bite right away as opposed to listen even further and go back to the scriptures with one another. So the passive, the, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think through the passive nature that we have. Part of it is we don't want conflict. I think part of it is we're just trying to think through how does this all relate to what I've been doing and how many of us want to say, oh, you know what? What I did might not have been the best. And so it's hard to repent as well um, in the midst of this. So a lot of learning, a lot of going back, a lot of um, going back and fixing our eyes on Jesus as, as the author tells us in Hebrews. Amen. Amen. And uh, having as our friend, you know, people by nature put the worst construction 
Pastor <laughs> yeah. Finneran on on right. uh, silence. Right. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's true. It, yeah. If if I don't hear anything from leadership or you from, fill in no, the gap. I mean, mm-hmm. you fill in the gap with negativity. The human mind goes toward negativity much more consistently than it does toward. Oh, let's put the best construction on that. That silence. So, hmm. Tell me more. Listening. Uh, whatever it whatever it may be, and and also recognizing that social media. Well, we can have these uh, kind of debates regarding. We haven't even gotten into some things, Pastor Finneran, that we may have different nuanced contextual perspectives toward today, and that's just fine. Um, we we want to fight for our our right truth, right? And and what we've lost then is relationship. We we don't see, we don't hear tone, we don't see the face, all, all those all those types of things. So let's close. Let's close with something that could be a little a little. Uh, you know, let's talk about wine, women. And song. Which one of those, Pastor Finnern, would you love to would you love to close on? Uh, and let me let me let me. Which one? I, I'm I'm I'm. This is an honest question. Which one of those three do you think the church needs to give the most attention to in this context, uh, so that the gospel proclamation goes forward? So we talk admittance to the Lord's Supper, which we we did talk about at Synod Convention. Um, the liturgy in a number of different forms and then the role of, cause we had some resolutions that talked about women's suffrage and kind of, whoa, it was kind of, we didn't, we didn't talk about that necessarily, but, but women in leadership uh, speaking in, in the church, which one of those do you think we really need to hone in on and find clarity and unity around Pastor Finnan? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of turn that back to you a little bit because I'm sure I, well, I'm not quite ready for it right now, but I, but I, cause all three are something that tend to be um, at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this too, that each one of them has a conscience issue as well. Okay. What is yes. the soul care issue in this? So um, are you saying context, my context, or are you just saying synod yeah. context? No, I, I want to know in your, in your context, as you work with your 197 mm. congregations, Right. What is your primary primary emphasis as it relates to those three points of uh, doctrine? What I would say that you know, as far as what I would deal with the most is is the question of of the role of the church and the culture, and I would put that in the the song portion of it. So it's it's not Minnesota North overall is you would have not a huge spectrum, but the spectrum would probably be more middle of the road middle of the road liturgy, meaning that they're they're following the hymn though in a sense. They're not doing the intro it necessarily. Um, they're not doing a lot of bells, you know, bells and whistles and so forth. But they're kind of just following the the the, the service. Maybe even doing more simple liturgy. And it's not so much that is an issue as much of it is, you know, what's what's the reason for worship? Like, why are we worshiping? What's the place of worship in our culture as it is in different places? And so then you get a little bit of the generational question of like a new seminarian comes in, he starts chanting and people kind of start flipping out like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this guy's chanting. This is terrible. Um, oh, really? Without asking the question of, OK, what is worship? We haven't had a lot of controversy over, quote, contemporary styles or more simple, um, mainly because we don't have a lot of it. Not to say that we're necessarily against all of those kind of styles, per se, but it really mm-hmm. comes down to the question of, well, people who are maybe upset about a more simple or even a contemporary worship service, they might be upset about this for the same reason they're against chanting is, OK, what is what are we doing here? What is actually happening here? And so I've dealt a lot more with that of, okay, you're kind of mad about X in the worship service or how the approach was, well, why? And then to talk through, okay, what's actually happening here? 
and what is the freedom that we have and where are the important aspects that really what we do shows what we believe, you know, so mm-hmm. like confession, absolution, um, is it absolutely mandated? It has to be in every service. Well, no, but it, it reflects what we believe and therefore what we do we need forgiveness. So let's do, it. let's give it to them. You know, that those kind of office of the keys yeah. in John chapter 20. So a lot of that is, is really where, um, how far is, how far is the, the freedom? Um, how far do we go with understanding of what, what is needed and what isn't, but also ultimately it comes down to this. What's happening when we gather for worship and how do we make sure that's very clear with everybody there? Well, what's at stake, right? The mm-hmm. gospel is at stake. Right. I, I would, I would say worship is. The primary thing <laughs> the church does, we gather around word. We gather to receive the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we gather to be shaped by the word uh, as we carry out our respective vocations. Uh, we gather to receive uh, the, the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. The liturgy, maintaining the liturgy. I don't care whether it's, you know, an organ or it's a guitar or what, whatever, like maintaining the guts of God's story, God's love story centered in the person and work of Jesus is one of the primary differentiations for confessional Lutheranism in the broader evangelical Christian landscape today. Like if we lose, if we lose that, we lose an awful, an awful lot. When I came to Christ Greenfield, you know, because I'm a type A driven, people know I've, I sing and I've led contemporary worship um, for, gosh, since I was in high school, for for sure. Um, but the older I get, Pastor Finner, the more like, I, I don't, I don't want to be like, like legalistic about this, but the more I, I think the the guts of our liturgy must be maintained because when I came here, there was a, a certain group of, of leaders who were, we were moving. I think we had a Sunday night contemporary, you know, a youth kind of service mm-hmm. and things in our context, different suburban, you know, larger congregation. And they were, they were kind of stripping a lot of the guts of the, of the liturgy out for trendy purposes or something. And, and I kind of, I kind of said, nah, we're not, we're not going to do that. And had some, you know, kind of awkward conversations and just like, I'm not going to be like forceful about much, but we're not going to, we're not going to strip what is our, our heritage as it relates to telling. Cause the, the liturgy tells the story of God's love mm-hmm. for you, for us as, as a people of God. And the evangelical world doesn't have that with just, you know, 30 minutes of singing and a 30, 40 minute, minute message. Um, anything more to add there, Jack? Yeah. No, I, I, I love the approach that, that you've brought here to Christ Greenfield. And, you know, I'm a big fan of both styles of worship that we do. We, we fully embrace traditional styles of worship in contemporary, but when we do contemporary, I would describe it as a liturgical contemporary service and that there's always these sort of elements in there that you can always count on having. And even as you're playing modern music, it is really cool to kind of take a moment and say, okay, now we're going to say the creeds and this creed now ties us back to the church thousand plus years and you have something in common with them in this confession. And I think it's a really cool thing. And I think people, I, you know, I think people appreciate that. Um, and it is a, it is a differentiator that I appreciate a lot about what we do. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the yay part I love about the, you know, and I think that's some of the debate that goes on about the word liturgical is that genuinely liturgical because there are people that would say, well, because it's a stage and not an, you know, not your traditional altar with a rail and there's guitar and drums. That's not genuine Lutheran worship, but I, I genuinely personally believe that it is genuine Lutheran worship. And it is, it is interesting too. The, the, we, we all have to ask the question, what, yeah. 
what is the purpose of doing X, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And not for the purpose of, well, I don't think everyone understands that, therefore we get rid of it, but the opportunity to teach. teach. And also to ask, okay, so what's your alternative? For example, after we take communion, you have this in, in the um, divine services in our hymnal, we often will have the song of Simeon. And you think about the imagery we have there, is that here's Simeon holding Jesus is everything's been fulfilled. Lord, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. This goes back to clear conscience. We sing that, especially in the old uh, uh, divine service setting three and Lord, now let us all thy servant depart in peace. I mean, it just, it brings back just like that guy that I um, had the conversation with. That if you start singing that, he'll be able to sing it right there. I've sung it at uh, uh, funerals because this is something this individual is saying their whole life. They were comforted to say, I'm good. I'm good with God. I'm good here. And to say, okay, you know what? You can have something else, live in freedom, right? But let's talk about this and say, okay, what's your alternative? And I think, you know, Luther had this kind of understanding of, okay, there's, there's ways, make sure it has a purpose, make sure it's pointing to Christ and, and not just because I'm not, I'm not doing that because I don't like that. Therefore I'm doing this, but let's talk theologically. Let's look at Jesus. And to me, sometimes I'm just not, I'm a simple guy. So it's like, I'll do the nunc dimittis because I don't know what else to do. You know, I'm just not, I'm just not good at this creative thing. And so there's a lot of that that we can just unpack in a beautiful way. Um, that really captures the heart of like what Pastor Allman said so beautifully of, of, of what's going on in worship and, and pointing us back to Christ. So yeah, that, it, yeah, I love, I love how you guys are speaking about this. District President Finneran, this has been a lot of fun, brother. I'd love to have you back on. Uh, thank you for your kindness, your charity of time, and uh, for you. your wisdom and your leadership uh, for the the church in your district. I'll be praying for you, and uh, would love would love to get to know you better into the future. If people want to connect with you and the the work of your district, how can they do so? Well, uh, send me an email, uh, Brady dot at mnnlcms.org. Brady.finnern at mnnlcms.org. Love it, love it. Uh, this is Lead Time Sharing is Caring. Please like, subscribe, comment, wherever it is, is that you're taking in this podcast. And we're going to continue to have a lot of conversations that, that focus on, yes, leadership and also focus on the culture of the LCMS and our need for unity. And when we disagree, uh, we disagree agreeably. And going back to the convention, man, I think that's what we, we saw. Where there was disagreement, there was charity, there was kindness. Jesus was, was glorified. It's a good day. Go and make it a great day by the power of the word and the spirit. We'll see you next week on lead time. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC's mission is to collaborate with the local church to discover, develop, and deploy leaders through biblical Lutheran doctrine and innovative methods. To partner with us in this gospel message, subscribe to our channel, then go to theuniteleadership.org to create your free login for exclusive material and resources, and then to explore ways in which you can sponsor an episode. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for next week's episode.